Good morning, everybody. Happy Monday. Welcome into 104.3 The Fans Coffee Break. James Marilette, Rachel V. Hill, back with you. I'm back from vacation and so excited because we're getting things ramping up as we get ready for training camp starting up next week. But James, how are you? I'm good, Rachel. I feel like we haven't been on a coffee break together in like a month. I missed a bunch, so blame it on blame it on me. And then you were out last week, so I hope you had a good vacation. Welcome back. So I'm looking, uh, I'm looking forward to this. Back to the Monday routine. Here we go. Here we go. I know things are really going to start ramping up. So it was a nice, much-needed vacation after the Avs playoffs and everything that went into that. But we're excited to be back, feeling very refreshed. What's up, Troy? Thanks so much for saying welcome back, Nathan. Yo, stay cool, my ninjas. I like it. I like the energy on this Monday. But let's get into what happened this weekend with the MLB draft. And Matt Holiday, a name that a lot of people are very familiar with here in Colorado, his son went number one overall in the MLB draft. There he is as a child, Matt Holiday, obviously back in the day. And then we've got reaction of him at his home where he is able to hang out and, you know, see his name go across the big screen, James. And what a moment it is when you're able to see that. Yeah, that is, uh, well, a couple of things. One, it makes me feel extremely old <laughs> because, you know, I remember covering Matt Holiday as a player. I remember, you know, seeing his his son running around and being on the field and, you know, like during the fireworks games, the families all come out and watch him and he's got his little boy running around there. Now he's the number one overall pick in the draft, which, so it makes me feel old, but two, that's just, uh, I mean, that's a pretty cool moment there. And, you know, to have a, a connection to Colorado um, with the number one overall pick is uh, it, it was exciting. It was, uh, it, he went number one. I think it was Andrew Jones's kid who went number two. So a couple of guys that, you know, I don't even necessarily say I grew up watching him play. I was like a, you know, full-grown adult with a job watching them play, and now their kids are being taken in the first round of the draft. It's uh, it's pretty cool. Apple doesn't fall far from the tree, I guess. I love it because compared to, like, the NFL draft, you see them get, like, crazy dressed up, right, lots of diamonds or whatever, and they're just chilling in, like, baseball shorts, just hanging out, living the dream. Yeah, and there's no, uh, there's no green room. There's no red carpet. They're just hanging out at home and you know, sit on the couch and uh, a little bit more old school that way. But, uh, but it was, it was a nice moment to see. I mean, usually the major league baseball draft, it kind of comes and goes and nobody really even notices it. Right. It happens in the middle of the season. They're playing games yesterday. It's going on. It's like, you know, the, the NBA draft and certainly the NFL draft are events. Major league baseball draft isn't one because we normally don't know any of the names, right? Like unless you're a huge college baseball fan and there's some college baseball player taken, but, you know, there's so many high school kids taken, you know, unless it's from your area, you normally don't know. That's to know who they are. That's what made yesterday different. Hey, we recognized a couple of names. And certainly the guy that was at the top of the draft was uh, was very, very familiar. And it's the farm system, too, right? Like, we'll see a lot of these players maybe in two, maybe even in five years. Who knows? Because the farm system yep. is so long when it comes to baseball. Yeah, for sure. Like, the, anybody that the, that the Broncos draft – we're going to see them down at training camp. We're going to see them on the field. Certainly high picks you expect to see right away. NBA is a little different because unless you're a lottery pick, it's like, oh, it's kind of a crapshoot. Um, but usually first-round picks, you're going to see some of them, right? We just saw this with, with Bones this past year. So they're going to get out there and have a chance to contribute even as rookies. So, um, And you, you know those guys. It, college basketball, not what it used to be in terms of players stay for three, four years and you really get to know them. But you know, you can at least say, oh, yeah, I remember watching him in the in the NCAA tournament and in the dance. He had that big shot against whoever. Like, there's some familiarity. Uh, baseball is just sort of, you know, the random kid from Sarasota, Florida. Nobody knows, right? So uh, it, it, that's what makes it 
not quite the event and a little harder to follow, but mm-hmm. this time around was cool. We, uh, we, had, we had some familiarity. Well, the Rockies had four picks yesterday, starting with Gabriel Hughes, a right-handed pitcher out of Gonzaga, who goes at pick number 10. He finished ninth in the nation in strikeouts. Then at pick 31, the Rockies select Sterling Thompson, an infielder and outfielder out of the University of Florida. So excited to see him. And then pick 38 here in just a second is outfielder Jordan Beck, who was selected out of the University of Tennessee. And Twitter had a lot to say about him yesterday, a lot of very excited fans as well. And then at pick 50, the Rockies selected right-hander pitcher Jackson Cox out of Tudor Lake High School. He's the first player ever out of his high school to be selected in the major league draft. So big dreams are always made when you're selected to go play a professional sport. And Daniel wants to know, what's your take on the Rocks' new draft picks this weekend, James? I have no idea, right? Like, at least the first three were all college players. And we saw the University of Tennessee and the Super Regionals and you know, throughout the throughout the summer, as uh, as we worked our way toward the College World Series, so that's why that pick, you know, generated a little more reaction. So it's a familiar name from a team we all got to watch. But did I watch a single inning or pitch of Gonzaga baseball this year? Nope, I didn't. Um, did I watch University of Florida? No, I did see a little bit of Tennessee, and then Tudelay High School wasn't on my uh, circuit when I was out, you know, scouting players. So. I, I mean, to, to just be honest, you have no idea, right? It, it's the, the Rockies have not done a tremendous job drafting. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to be cautiously optimistic, right? You look at this team right now and it's like, okay. And they're playing better now. They, they certainly headed into the break on a little bit of a hot streak, but not a very good baseball team. And then a baseball team that doesn't have a lot of young players, right? Like if they had a bad record, but they had all these 22, 23-year-old kids that we could see what they were going to turn into and they were going to be stars. You would you would have a little something to be excited about. They're not. They're a bunch of old guys that are bad. Uh, to to you know kind of be a little too general about it. So they haven't really drafted. They haven't really built up that farm system. Hopefully, these picks can uh, can turn that around because they need some uh, they need some young talent as a as an influx into the uh, into the system. Hopefully, this gets that rolling. Oh, Jake Shapiro, he covered the Colorado Rockies for a long time. So I'm actually going to invite him in because he's dropping some facts about these draft picks in our like group behind the scenes chat. So Jake, if you want to hop in real quick, I'd love for you to share some of your takes because yeah, like this is, it, it connects a little bit. Yeah. So the Gonzaga kid that was selected with the Rockies 10th overall pick, cool story for him. He actually gets to start his pro baseball career for the Rockies low A affiliate, which is in Spokane. So he gets to stay in Eastern Washington. That's pretty cool. And then the big one, and I'm sure James is going to have a thought on this. The Rockies second pick in this draft, Sterling Thompson uh, was taken with the pick the Rockies got for Trevor story. So that's the Trevor story comp pick. Of course, they probably could have traded him at the deadline for more, but the Rockies just don't really sell at the deadline. And that's what we've seen historically. I'm actually working on something for the fan today on denverfan.com. You'll probably be able to check that out about what the Rockies do at the trade deadline. And we're in this situation again, James, where, you know, the Rockies have a couple guys, Daniel Bard, where they could maybe let them go or they're going to end up with something like this with a, with, with a prospect that we might not hear about for another three, four five years. Yeah, I mean, it's, you know, it's a lot to live up to for the kid, right? He's always going to be attached to Trevor Story. And hey, that's the that's the player essentially that the that the Rockies got in exchange for Trevor Story leaving. That's unfair to him, but that's going to be the connection. Uh, mm-hmm. And I believe he's the outfielder and slash infielder from University of Florida, right? 
Yeah. Uh, so hopefully he turns into a player. Hopefully it's somebody that's like, hey, Sterling Thompson, that was a steal. Not that you're glad Trevor Story left, but you got something great in return. That's just a lot of pressure to, to heap upon the kid. Um, whether they'll be buyers or sellers, Jake, is going to be fascinating. They, you know, our buddy Will Peterson trying to talk everybody into, hey, they're only like six games out of the wild card berth. It's like, come on, they got to jump like eight teams to get up there. They did have a nice little run there where they had won eight out of ten until yesterday's loss. So, um, you know, it's it, it's not the train wreck that it was. But if they're fooling themselves into thinking they're a contender, that's silly, right? Like, by the time this team is going to be any good, Daniel Bard won't be a part of it. So go get something in exchange for him, and then it's better for him, too. He's going somewhere where he can, you know, pitch in some big moments, and, uh, you know, he's getting up there in age and late in his career. Let him go play for a contender. So they need to be sellers. If they're not, they're uh, they're fooling themselves. Think anybody will take Chris Bryant? Would, would, could you trade that contract away? Well, what we've seen in the last few years in Major League Baseball, as well as National Hockey League and NBA, every single contract, even the untradeable contracts, are tradable. Uh, but you might have to attach the price of McGregor Square along with that Chris Bryant <laughs> contract in order to move it. All right. Well, one thing everybody, even if you're not a huge baseball fan, seems to watch is the Home Run Derby. And that's tonight. A lot of people will obviously be having a lot of fun with it. So we need to know, James, and even Jake, if you're still in here with us, I would love to know who are you guys selecting to win the Home Run Derby tonight if you had to take your bet. James? Well, and I'm not going to go out on a limb here at all. Like I'm hugging the tree with this pick. That's how far out on the limb I'm going. I'm taking the number two seed. I'm taking Pete Alonso. He's back-to-back winner, right? So, like, he knows how to win this competition. So, I've seen it with him. So, I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with, uh, with the, with the two-time defending champ. I, I gotta admit, I'm a little disappointed. Aaron Judge isn't in there, right? He's leading major league. He's leading major leagues and home runs with 32. He's got a shot, guys. And this will be an interesting story as the season goes along. Like, do we track his chase of Roger Maris? Because we look at, you know, Barry Bonds. Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire is, yeah, they passed Roger Maris, but they're the steroid era guys. So does Aaron Judge have a shot to get past 61? That'll be fascinating. He's at 32 right now. And that was always kind of the thing of, hey, where are you at at all? The all-star break, you got to be at least halfway there. So a little disappointed he's not going to be there. But the back-to-back champ, that's, uh, that's my pick. I'm going with the two seed, which is not out on a limb at all. Yeah, that's Judge is actually. Yeah, that's a good pick, Rachel. James, I mean, you can't go wrong with the back-to-back champ, uh, as we saw with the Tampa Bay Lightning. That didn't really work out, though. Um, <laughs> I was wondering if someone was going to throw that in there. Yeah, um, and, and just a note on the judge thing, uh, he's actually pacing ahead of where Maris was on his run to 61 and ahead of Ruth. Most people don't remember this, but Babe – of course, most people don't remember this because they weren't alive. But Babe Ruth was actually on a greater pace than Roger Maris was but got hurt in that season. So Judge is pacing ahead of Maris and Ruth. So Judge could end up with an historic home run season this year. So it is a little disappointing we're not seeing him. But the guy I'm really excited to see is Julio Rodriguez, who is having historic rookie season from the Seattle Mariners. I think he's going to be very fun to watch. This is his big, like, showing out party. He hasn't really had that national stage yet. But that's not my pick. I'm picking the second leading home run hitter in Major League Baseball, Kyle Schwarber, who absolutely murders baseballs for a living. Uh, I think Schwarbs is going to be able to get this one done uh, for the uh, for, for for the home run derby. I, I like. Schwarbs. All right, 
So we're going with the back-to-back defending champ. You're going with the one seed. So it's not exactly like you're going out there on a limb yeah. either. Um, but Wouldn't you're it be right. Wouldn't cool to see Pools win it? That would be. And you know what? I know he's in there as kind of a feel-good story. Um, but he's got 685 career home runs. He's been in you know baseball for, what, 22 years. I think it'll be fun to watch him go out there. Hopefully the, the crowd at Dodger Stadium gives him the send-off and ovation that he deserves. So – Major League Baseball doesn't do a lot of things right. They don't. We kind of were talking about it yet with the with the draft of like it's usually under the radar. But the fact that Pujols will be there tonight, the Home Run Derby actually is a really fun, cool event. Uh, mm-hmm. So night tonight will be one of those moments where hey, Major League Baseball finally got something right. Let's give him a, let's give him a little credit for that. All right. Well, Jake, appreciate you hopping in. James, let's get into some NBA Summer League action because it ended yesterday. So a lot of people were wondering about Christian Brown, right? The Nuggets draft pick. What was that looking like? He selected 21st overall. He showed really strong defense. However, offense was kind of lacking for him. And then Peyton Watson, too, being another name that people were really watching. Again, shows strong defense but really no offense. So are they really just relying on Jokic and Murray and possibly MPJ to really lead this team in points? Well, I mean, they made a concerted effort, and Michael Malone told us this at his end-of-the-season press conference, is, hey, we got to get better defensively, particularly perimeter defense. Yep. You know, of the 16 teams in the playoffs, he pointed out they were ranked 16th in, in most defensive categories. So They've made a concerted effort to be better in that in that regard. KCP was an acquisition for that. Mm-hmm. Bruce Brown was an acquisition. Both these draft picks, look, if they if they play defense, they'll get on the floor. If they don't, they're going to be typical rookies with Michael Malone. They're just they're not going to play. Mm-hmm. So uh, the fact that they showed the the ability to defend is actually a good thing. Now they can't be liabilities when they're on the floor offensively. And there were moments in summer league where like, ooh, okay, this is pretty rough. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this team, you know, the pendulum was over here. Now it feels like it's over this direction. And it is Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray and, and you know, MPJ that all the pressure is going to be on. And two of those three guys are coming back from injury. And as we found out from Michael Malone during summer league, Jamal Murray, even though it'll be 18 months since his injury, he ain't going to play every game at the start of the year. And he's going to have a, a, a limits, a minutes restriction in, in terms of how much he can be on the court. So It'll be interesting to see what this team can do offensively. They got the back-to-back MVP, but boy, not a lot of firepower around him. And certainly they didn't find, uh, it doesn't look like anybody in the draft that's going to immediately help from a scoring standpoint. And you're not thrilled about the Jamal Murray news. Why? No. I mean, it's just, it's like, man, break out the bubble wrap, right? Like 18 months. And here's the thing. And I'm just going to go back to what I said in March and April when everybody was telling me, it's not about this year. You can't force these guys back. It's not about this year. And I was saying, hey, you're only in this window so long. You're going to waste another Nikola Jokic season. I don't think you should just punt on the year. But everybody who was pro, you know, be careful, be careful, said, it's about next season. It's about next season. It's about next season. I said, fine. Then they need to start next season like the Suns and the Warriors did this past year where you look up and they're like 18-3, and 19-3. and three. They're contending for a one seed. Like, if you want to punt it to next year, fine but next year better be great well now here we are getting toward next year and there's already excuses of like well i'm gonna do this we're gonna do that it's like i thought he didn't play in march and april so he'd be ready in october now you're telling me he's not gonna be ready in october like well when is he gonna be ready it 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 begs the question like was there a setback is the team being overly cautious is it still the mental hurdle with jamal murray like something's going on and at some point you got to start asking tough uncomfortable questions 
because this is weird that it's that he's not going to be ready to go 18 months after the injury. That's that's hard to understand in my mind. I also find it weird that they're saying this in July when so much can happen before right. October. So yeah, is something going on behind the scenes that we're just unaware of as the public? I don't know. It, it, it begs the question, right? Mm-hmm. Something is off. I don't know what it is. I'm not putting on my tinfoil hat, not trying to be a conspiracy theorist, but something <laughs> is wrong. Like KJ Hamler's back on the football field nine months after tearing his ACL yeah. and having a hip injury. I know they're all different, but in today's sports world with modern, you know, medical technology, mm-hmm. 18 months and still not hundred percent ready to go. That's a, that's the outlier. And it, it does make you wonder what's up. Well, you can check out James' article on denverfan.com. And, James, you are um, joining Stoke today, right? Zach by yeah, is out, a... so you're going to be hanging out with Stoke? Yep, that's why I'm in this, like, looks like I'm in a, you know, some sort of spaceship <laughs> or something. I'm uh, in the uh, 1600 studio. I'll pop over to the fan studio here, and uh, 11 o'clock, I'm on with Stoke. It should be fun. So as soon as you're done with Coffee Break, head on over to 104.3 The Fan, listen to it on your radio, and listen to James Merlatt and Brandon Stokely. But James, as always, thank you very much. And we're excited to bring in our next guest to talk a little bit about the abs as we have Peter Boff from The Athletic joining us. Again, lots to discuss because, holy smokes, we all thought Nazem Kadri would be gone, Peter. But how are you, first of all? I'm well. How are you doing? I'm doing good. You know, the long run that was the Stanley Cup, but such a memorable one. So first of all, before we get into kind of all the offseason talk, I want to learn about your experience covering this team as they won the Stanley Cup. What was your favorite moment? Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a lot of fun. I think that um, I'll, I'll remember the kind of being on the ice post game for a long time and talking to players and their families just about what that moment meant to them. Um, I thought that was a, it, it was really cool to be, have, I guess, an up close look at that. And so that's something that I think I'll, I'll carry with me. It was a really rewarding experience for me personally, as a journalist, like it was, it was a lot of fun. And I mean, I, I got pretty lucky that the team I happened to cover just is really good at hockey and um, yeah, it was a great time. So I'll remember it. No, absolutely. It was honestly so fun. And they're already talking about next year, right? As soon yeah. as one championship's over, they're like, all right, we're moving on to next year. And they're picked to win it again. Possibilities in your mind of seeing that happen. Yeah. I mean, look, I'll always take the field over any individual team. Like it's really hard to win a championship. Um, but I think that this team is going to be really good again next year. And I think the Western Conference isn't particularly strong outside of the Avalanche. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's um, it makes sense that they, they have good odds to, to do this again. Um, like I said, I'll always hockey's such a random sport and goalies can get hot and players can get hurt that I'll always take the field over one specific team. But I think Colorado has done a, a good job of putting itself in position to, to be good again next year from the start. Lots of re-signings, including the Chushkin, the Choo Choo, uh, Josh Manson, right? We've seen so many different names that the Avs have re-signed, but also some new names. So what grade would you give the Avs this offseason? Yeah, I'd give them maybe a B. I think they've gotten worse, but that was to be expected. They weren't going to be able to keep everybody. They were going to lose some depth. Um, I think that the big question is just what Alexander Gorgiev can, can bring in net. Um, if he can be an above average goaltender in the NHL, then the Avs are in a really good position having him and Pavel Frenzos under contract for a combined $5.4 million. But if, if Georgiev struggles, then all of a sudden it's like you're, you're, you're in some trouble. 
Colorado has showed that it it doesn't necessarily need great goaltending to win a lot of hockey games. I mean, they they made it to the Stanley Cup with Pavel Frenzos winning all four games in a Western Conference Finals, and he's more of a number two goalie than a number one. And then Darcy Kemper was battling with his his eye injury throughout the playoffs, and that definitely limited um, kind of what he was able to do. So I, I think that it's – they don't need great goaltending, but they will need good goaltending. Because you, even you saw with Kemper, like he had to step up in games four and six against Tampa Bay, um, or else they probably don't win those games. He was really good those games. And we'll see if Gurgiev can can give them that level of performance. Was it really just money when it came down to Darcy Kemper, or was there anything lingering with this eye issue of why the Avs didn't want to re-sign him? No, I think the Avalanche wanted to bring him back. I think it was just the the amount of money that they knew that he was going to command and that they were had kind of penciled in to give to goaltending. Um, and I think those numbers didn't match. I think Kemper was – this is a chance for him to get a, a big contract. Probably he's – I think 32. So this is probably his last chance to get a big sizable contract in his career. Um, He was going to cash in on that as he should, as is his right. Mm -hmm. And then the avalanche, I think didn't want to spend quite that much on the goaltending position, especially after seeing how effective they could be even with just average to slightly above average goaltending last postseason. Gotcha. Okay. Well, good to know there. The cup it's been traveling around the world now, and you've been keeping everybody up today. What's the latest on where you know the cup is, or what's been the coolest moment that you've been able to keep track of? Yeah, so I've I've only been to one of the cup days. I went to um, Sorrell Tracy, which is where um, which is where Nicholas Obey-Kubel is from, um, and I, that was right after the draft, so I was able to just zip up there, and it was really cool. I think it's one of the coolest traditions in in sports, certainly when it comes to championship trophies, you don't really see other sports do this where every player gets their day with the cup. Um, for Obey Kubel, that was like a, he had a celebration with his family um, and some friends at his house, then a big parade through the town where everyone could come by and then a rally. He signed autographs, took pictures. And then they uh, it, it was kind of more like after that, some family time where they went on a, on a boat out in the river around there and, um, then I think had a party that night. So I think you're seeing players do like their different days and have different putting their own little flares on it. I know Jack Johnson had his young kids eating ice cream out of the cup because they, um, they, I remember on the ice after I asked Jack Johnson about it and he was like, um, yeah, the kids really want to want to eat ice cream out of the cup. So they got their chance to do that. I think JT Comfort took it around uh, Chicago, had it at his little league, um, like, like brought it to where he, he had his like little league games and stuff, which I thought was cool. And then Samuel Gerard was up, up in Roberval in kind of, I think that's kind of near Quebec city. And he had, um, a parade similar to Obey Cabal. And yeah, it seems like they're all having a great time. I'm not a hundred percent sure where it is next on the trail. I need to look into that, but it should be fun. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think, like you said, it is one of the coolest traditions is that it does get to travel. And I've been joking, saying Philip Pritchard, the keeper of the cup, he must be pretty bored for like nine months out of the year. And then for three months, he's all over the place traveling (laughs) with this thing. Uh, So what a cool job. But yeah, Peter, a lot of people, we already got a question and says, any chance we get Codger back? I think it's possible. I mean, I think that what it comes down to is can the avalanche clear enough cap space in a way that makes sense to bring him back. Mm-hmm. And will the money be low enough to where they feel comfortable bringing back a 30, 
he'll be 32 to start next season, a 31-year-old, almost 32-year-old who um, is coming off a career year. So they'll they'll have some tough decisions to make there because you – I mean, I'm sure they could move out some contracts and make it work, but then how much are you taking away of your current roster? Like what do you sacrifice to make that happen? Mm-hmm. So they have to weigh all of that. Um, but there certainly is, from my understanding, more of a chance than – maybe I thought there was at the start of free agency when I was pretty sure he would be gone. I think that you're seeing that the ads are still in the mix, which I wouldn't have necessarily guessed. Yeah. I thought he would be gone an hour one of free agency. As soon as it started, we'd hear about him signing some giant contract, but does it have maybe more to do with him wanting to come back and maybe less of even what the other teams have to offer? Well, I think he wants to come back. Um, I mean, he's, he's been pretty consistent with that. I think, my understanding is that he wants to play for a contender, but I also think he does want to get get paid. I mean, this is, again, he's like Kemper. Like, this is his last chance to get a really big long-term contract that can set him and his family up for a long, long time in his life. Um, and I think that he's going to – that that's going to be a, a very big factor, which offers the best of teams that can contend. Because I think that they've ruled out some teams that – they didn't view as contenders um, because playing for a, a contending team is something that's really important to him. No. Yeah, absolutely. And we've heard, yeah, how he's told some teams like, Nope, they're not even in the mix because they're, they're not contenders. And of course, what we talked about earlier, this abs team, there's a possibility that they could go back to back. And I, you may not know this, Peter, but I've been asking people this question. Do you know how much players make per game in the playoffs? I'm not sure. I think they get a bonus at the end of it, like okay. if, depending on like a playoff bonus. And then I think they also get a bonus for winning the cup, but I'm not a hundred percent sure how much that is. Yeah. I was just always curious. Cause like I, it obviously probably doesn't equal millions and millions like they could sign, but I'm wondering like how closely related it could be. If you do win the whole thing again, does that help kind of make your decision a little easier? If that makes any sense at all. Yeah. I don't, I, my guess is, it's more for when it's about being on a contending team, it's more just because he wants to win rather yeah. than like, rather than if he, rather than the money he maybe could get. Cause I don't think it's anything too crazy. Yeah. 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 No, definitely. Um, the other question a lot of people are asking because we've been talking about it all season is Nathan McKinnon. Where are we going to see a contract extension with him? Do you think we're going to wait to see what happens with Malin Cadre and then we'll hear about this? Or do you think this is even something that could go even later into the summer? Yeah, I mean, the Avalanche have time here. I think they're planning. They've always been planning for this this contract. They knew that they were going to have to pay Nathan McKinnon a lot of money. And I think that um, next – so this is the last season of him on the $6.3 million contract that's been kind of a steal for the team. So they, they've been planning for a lot of different scenarios. I think they're working – they've been working. I don't know currently where it stands, but I know they were working on – um, kind of talking with his representation and Joe Sackick said that they kind of had a ballpark idea of where it would end up. And I think that will influence and has influenced a lot of their thinking this off season, because they want to make sure to have him, him back in Colorado long-term. Do you think there's any possibility that Nathan McKinnon will ever play hockey, not in a Colorado avalanche uniform? I mean, I don't, I, I don't know about it in the near term future, but I think you see a lot of it's, it's rare for a player to spend his whole career on one team. Um, I mean, Look, I think Nathan McKinnon has shown how much he cares about being in Colorado, and I think he wants to sign here long term. Um, but I mean, I think just in the it's the reality of professional sports that you can never say never. And I don't know what 
anything McKinnon's life or career will look like 10 years from now or where he'll be at kind of. But um, I certainly think he's, he's very content staying in Colorado and wants to be here, especially with this core that is a championship caliber core. Okay, I want to go back to something that you said earlier that actually really piqued my interest because you think this team got worse in the offseason during free agency. Is it only because of the goaltending situation or is there something else that you think just dropped off? No, and I don't mean that in like a harsh like way. I think they always were going to. Like they mm-hmm. lost like useful depth players and Nico Sturm and Nicholas Abe-Kubel. They lost Andre Burakovsky who had 61 points in 80 games last year and scored an overtime winner in the Stanley cup. Like those are players that they've lost and essentially haven't replaced and are going to try and replace internally, at least for now. And they might lose Nazem Kadri, who was one of their best forwards last year. So like, that's just the reality of a salary cap situation. There's going to be rosters where you have deeper talent pools and there's going to be others where you have to pay guys like Natushkin and Lekkanen and their contracts go way up and, and you don't have as much room for some of the other guys. So I don't think it's like, when I say they got worse, I don't think that's a surprise, and I don't think that that's an indictment on the front office. I think that's just the reality of of how this was always going to go. And they still have one of the best rosters in the league, so I don't think it's like a, a huge like concern necessarily. I think that's just the reality of the situation is that they lost a lot of contributing players. And that's why it can be so hard to win back-to-back championship trophy Stanley Cups because you do. You have to give up a lot because eventually once these players do reach that point, then they want to get paid, and then cap cap space becomes just an issue, and it's a whole thing like we've been talking about. But, Peter, as always, appreciate you hopping on. Thanks for all the info as the Nazem Padre Watch will continue. We really appreciate it. And to everyone else for hanging out with us today on Coffee Break, thank you so much. Appreciate it. I'm so happy to be back from vacation and get to hang out with all of you as we get ready for whatever this upcoming season is going to bring. So thank you, everybody, and we'll see you tomorrow. Bye.